Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Hey guys, we're the Real Estate Women. I'm Colleen. I'm Tamara. I'm Crystal. And I'm Candy, and welcome to the Passive Income Podcast. So on today's episode, we are so honored to be talking about multifamily real estate. And not only are we talking about multifamily real estate, but we're talking about it with Rod Cleef. And the multifamily, when you think about real estate, it is so many sectors. And we focus in primarily on multifamily. And so we have brought in one of the experts on this field to talk to us as to why multifamily. <clears throat> Now I'd like thank to introduce. You. Was I supposed to respond there? I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there was a bit of a pause there. Go yeah. ahead, Tammy. You want to you want to introduce Rob? Well, well you're yeah. welcome already. Um, I'd like to okay. tell a little more, a bit more about you, Rod. Rod Cleve is a multiple business owner and philanthropist. He is passionate about business, high performance, real estate, and giving back. He has also um, owned over 2,000 properties and is the host of the largest commercial real estate podcast in the world, Lifetime Cashflow, through real estate investing, with over 12 million down downloads to date. Rod has soared from humble beginnings to incredible success. His experience involves both remarkable triumphs and spectacular failures, which he likes to call seminars. Rod brings incredible authenticity and insight to his approach to real estate, mindset, success in life. So Rod, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure, sure, sure. Well, thanks for having me on, ladies. This is really exciting to see you all and, you know, uh, um, obviously know you all outside of this environment as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so um, let me just give you a quick highlight of who I am and where I come from. So I'm an immigrant. I was born in the Netherlands, you know, wooden shoes and windmills. And um, immigrated when I was six years old with my brother, Albert, my mother's Vancha, ended up in Denver, Colorado, actually really struggled early on. Um, I remember, uh, we had expired food cause that's all my mom could afford. We had shopped at, believe it or not, they had an expired food store. We drank powdered milk with our cereal in the morning, which was cheaper than real milk. And trust me, sounds better than it is. Uh, I remember wearing clothes, hand me down clothes from the Goodwill and the Salvation Army all the way through junior high school till I finally got disgusted and lied about my age at Burger King because I was tall when I was 14 and got a job flipping burgers so I could buy my own clothes. And, you know, I'm sure you've got listeners that had it harder than I did, but I knew I wanted more. And luckily, my mom had an incredible work ethic. So she was actually a bit of an entrepreneur. She babysat kids for money. We always had a house full of kids. I mean, literally a ton of kids in the house. And she was real good at it, but uh, she was also an entrepreneur and she invested in the stock market successfully in IPOs. She also invested in real estate and her first real estate acquisition was the house directly across the street from us. When I was 14, she bought for $30,000. Then when I was 17, she told me she'd made $20,000 in her sleep on that house. It had gone up in value that much. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> Screw college. I'm not doing college, mom. I'm going to get into real estate. I was a capitalist. I wanted the money. I wanted the cool stuff. So I, got, I went out and got my real estate broker's license right when I turned 18 and I was going to be rich in real estate. Well, my first year, and I was still living at home. My first year in real estate, I made about $8,000. My second year, maybe $10,000. But my third year, I made over $100,000, which back in 1980 was some pretty good money. So what happened between year two and year three that caused me to 10X my income? 
Well, what happened was I met somebody. I worked for him, actually. I was smart enough not to have my own company. I worked for another broker, um, and I was dating his daughter. And he taught me about the importance of mindset and psychology, how really 80 to 90% of your success in anything is just that, your mindset and psychology. Only 10 to 20% is the, you know, the real estate stuff that we talk about, the passive investing, mm-hmm. active investing, and so on and so forth. Um, and so fast forward to today. I've owned over 2,000 houses that I've rented long-term. I own thousands of apartment units. In 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And you might say, wow. And I said, wow. And I got a head so big, I could barely fit it through a freaking door. And I thought I was a real estate god. And you know when that happens, God of the universe will give you a nice little smack. Well, that was 2008. I lost $50 million in 2008. And so... You know, one of the big things I'm known for talking about is really the mindset it took to have 50 million to lose in the first place. And then, you know, more importantly, or at least as importantly, the mindset it took to recover from that to the success that I'm blessed to have today. And, uh, you know, and it ties right into the topic of the theme of today's podcast, which is why multifamily. So, you know, happy to drill down on any of this stuff, the mindset stuff, the, the why multifamily. So, you know, let me know which direction you want to take this, ladies. Yeah, well, how did you get started in multifamily? When was that switch sure. for you? Sure. So I, again, I've owned 2,000 houses that I rented long-term. It took me a long time to get the memo that I needed to quit screwing around with houses and buy multifamily. <laughs> but um, I will tell you that um, I, I started, you know, I bought plexes and things like that when I was in mm-hmm. Denver, which is where I started. Um, and, you know, I bought a 10 unit, a, an, uh, an eight unit, smaller stuff in Denver. But then when I got to Florida, I actually bought some larger assets and I had some apartment complexes here. And in 2008, I had 800 houses and I had several apartment complexes. Well, what I discovered when it all crashed, it was the houses that pulled me down. If I had not cross collateralized mm-hmm. my packages of houses with apartment complexes to save you know, 50 basis points or a half a percent mm-hmm. interest, I'd still have those apartment complexes. The, apart- yeah, the, the apartment rents pulled back about 11%, but they would have easily survived if I hadn't cross collateralized them with debt mm-hmm. um, back then. And so- um, you know, what pulled me down was the houses and, and I did, a lot of people ask, you know, you know, were you over leveraged? You know, why did that happen? So let me give you a quick rundown of why that happened. I was actually only at a 30% loan to value. I only owed 30 cents on the dollar and I still crashed and burned. And here's why. So my houses were two hours north of me, two hours south of me and everywhere in between. And, uh, and which logistically was a mistake. So that's number one. Number two is Florida has no state income tax. So property taxes here are proportionally higher, which impacts mm-hmm. cash flow, right? Uh, the subtitle of my book, if you'll, one of you hold my book up for a second, you'll see the subtitle is The New Rules of Real Estate Investing. Now you can't see it, but it's in there. Yeah, it is down at the bottom. The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, i.e., the new rules are focus on cash flow. So the other thing, which is kind of timely because I was literally on the roof earlier this morning helping tarp it, uh, is, wow. is um, you know, if you're in a wind and a flood zone, um, you need higher insurance. And so, you know, I pay about, I don't know, close to 20000 a year for insurance here at my place. And, and thank God, because I've got some significant damage from this recent Hurricane Ian. Um, so, of course, insurance costs impact cash flow, right? But what killed me was if I send a maintenance guy to one of my apartment complexes, everything's the same. You know, the plumbing parts, the appliance parts, right. the HVAC parts, the the locks, the windows, yeah. uh, so on and so forth. And they and we can stockpile parts. So I can send them and they're in and out in an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, if I had to send them to one of my houses that's an hour and a half or an hour one way, they have to go see what's wrong. Every house is different. Mm-hmm. And 
then they have to go find a Home Depot or a Lowe's where we have an account and that could be an hour round trip. And then, you know, I don't know when Rod tries to fix something invariably ends up going to Home Depot more than once. Um, and that happens with maintenance. Well, so that, yeah, that, 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 maintenance, that maintenance killed us. And here's the thing. These were primarily C-class houses. You know, there's A, B, C, and D-class. A is brand new. D is the hood. You stay out of the hood. But, um, you know, that, those areas, they're just tough to manage. And ask me how I know. I've managed tons of, I've owned tons of stuff that was in areas I shouldn't have bought in. But, but, but these were C-class houses. So they're older. Okay. So they're all automatically going to have more maintenance. And then that demographic that rents a C-class asset is tougher. They're tougher on an asset. So you can have a lot more maintenance. So the maintenance really killed me. But then kind of the, the coup de grace, the, the, the last straw, as it were, was I didn't pay attention to tenant demographics back then. If they had a good job, or they had good credit and they paid a deposit, I let them rent. Well, when I looked back on it, I discovered that most of my renters were either in retail or they, for the bulk of them, were actually contractors, jobbers, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, painters, roofers, which all fell off a cliff in 2008 9. They didn't have work. So that was kind of like the, the final straw. And here's what's crazy going in um, in 2006, I owed 30 cents on the dollar. I actually went upside down by the end of 2009. It dropped more than 70%. Wow. And so, you know, anyway, but, but, um, but again, had I not cross collateralized my multifamily, I'd still have it, which is why I started my podcast, you know, six, six and a half years ago was to tell people, you know, if you're going to buy and hold for God's mm -hmm. sakes, do multifamily for a lot mm -hmm. of reasons. Okay. And, you know, well, um, first of all, is the one I just said, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that leads perfectly to kind of our okay. next question. So yeah. like some of the benefits of multifamily, like mm -hmm. of investing in the multifamily versus, versus yeah. singles and all the other options, you really highlighted really well. Your story just shows, you know, that multifamily proved to you. Much to more resilient. Yeah. Yes. Right. Much more yeah. resilient. Yes. And, um, and, and so... You know, and we're heading for some economic pain in this country. Anyone tells you otherwise is naive. Okay, yeah. um, I mean, there, there's, there's, but with that comes incredible opportunity. There's going to be incredible opportunities to capitalize on on stuff that's going on sale. Multifamily. Now, why do I love? Why else do I love multifamily? I've actually debated this on podcasts where me and another multifamily guy are debating these single family flippers and wholesalers, and we kick their butts because this multifamily is just so much better. And here's why. Um, First of all, it's probably the most resilient asset class. I actually thought we were going to have some some problems in 2000. I'm sorry, in uh, with COVID in okay. 2020, and it was a blip. You know, mm -hmm. I will tell you, other asset classes like retail, shopping centers, office, industrial, they didn't get money from the government. Okay, we got hundreds of thousands of dollars in rental assistance through our tenants for our assets, our, our C assets, and uh, even some of our B assets. And so, you know, people need a place to live. Um, and, and so these other asset classes, again, are, are, they're not as resilient. And I will say this, in the big crash of 2008 and 2009, um, uh, multifamily rents exceeded pre-crash levels in less than three years. Okay, so they wow. bounced back that fast. And so- um, Well, that, that makes total sense because right. everyone lost their homes. So, you know, they couldn't afford the house. So now they have to go and rent. So the we become a renter nation. Higher. Yeah, yep. we've become a renter nation. We <laughs> really have. And 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 it become much, much harder to buy a home. You know, back then in 08 and 09, if you fo could fog a mirror, you could get a home loan. And that's what that's why, you know, all these subprime loans went belly up. 
And, and that's not the case any longer. It's much, much harder to get home financing. And with the pricing having gone up as much as it has, and now, yeah. now interest rates are insane, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much making almost the entire population be renters. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but, but not either, you know. And so, yeah, right. you know, multifamily is very resilient. It's conservative. It's, it's going to continue to increase. And um, there's a huge pent up demand for housing in general. Okay. I think, yeah. I think we're like 2 million units short a year right now moving mm -hmm. forward. And, and so if they can't buy, they have to rent. And so, you know, the demand is definitely there. Um, you know, that said, there's still going to be a reckoning. There's going to be some, some opportunity for operators like ourselves to go out there and buy these assets. And so, um, but that's why multifamily absolutely love multifamily. And, uh, and that's why I started my podcast. In fact, when I first started my podcast, and we, we just broke 14 million downloads. And as you said, it's the largest. By the way, it's 14. You said 12. 14. It's a little <laughs> yeah. dated now. And, and so, you know, and, and, and um, the reason I started it, like I said, is was to share the message. If you're going to buy and hold, for God's sakes, do multifamily. Don't do single family. In fact, I never planned to, to sell anything. And, you know, uh, I used to tell people, if you listen to early episodes, I say, I'll never sell you anything. Now I'm a freaking liar because I do boot camp. <laughs> and as you guys know, I have a coaching program and everything else. But, um, you know, I never planned to. And then, you know, it just kind of took off. And um, and I just loved it so much that uh, that I decided to – I wrote that book that you guys held up. I still give it away for free, pay the shipping, you have it for free. Um, but I decided to go ahead and do some, you know, coaching and courses. And, you know, I had 850 people in Denver I think several of you were there um, this a couple months, a few months ago, and I've got. That's what brought us together. I've that's, got, yeah, that's right. Oh, no yeah. kidding! It was that event. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Yeah, well, so, we're warrior. We're all warriors. So right. it was, um, gosh, oh, the Orlando bootcamp. Yeah, it was Orlando. September. Okay, so yeah. it was Orlando bootcamp. Yeah, that was a good one too. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah. So by the way, if you don't if you don't know what that means, I have a mentorship program. They're called my Warriors, and I will tell you, you guys may not even know this. We are upwards of a hundred thousand units owned in the Warrior program now. Wow. I mean, it's astounding. And I've only been teaching five years. I mean, besides my kids Amazing. and my wife, I'm more proud of that than anything else. And you can see behind me here. Usually, I've got a green screen, so you can't see this, but you can see some of the hundreds of thank you cards from yep. you know that I've gotten from students over the years. You know, these last five years, it's you know really been something I'm very proud of. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, it's such a real treat to have you guys, uh, have me on your show here. It's a beautiful thing. Um, love seeing it. And I love the fact that you're here to help women and teach people how to passively invest because, you know, I will tell you a lot of people don't, you know, they don't want to go and buy the property and deal with the tenants and deal with the management yeah. and the financing and raising the money and all that stuff. And so passive investing is a fantastic way for someone that's got some, some income, you know, that's got some liquidity. That's, that's afraid of the stock market, which I will tell you, you should be right now. Um, but we yeah. won't even talk about crypto. I've seen people on, on TikTok literally bawling, losing millions of dollars on crypto. But 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 the stock market's about to crush. And I'm going to tell you, it's already had the worst. It's like the worst it's been in, in I think, a decade yeah. or no, I think two decades. I did. So mm -hmm. I did a I did a. Um, uh, a YouTube video on on some headlines this last I, I think it went live yesterday on on you know this upcoming um, contraction that we're heading into and and so uh, you know th this passive investing in this in these secure multifamily investments is just such a much much more safe conservative and lucrative frankly the returns are still fantastic um, yeah. 
you know, and I know you guys are very, very conservative in your calculations. Uh, you know, there've been a lot of aggressiveness lately, um, you know, these right. last couple of years, but I know you guys are conservative because you're in my group. So, uh, but, yeah, so I have a warrior, my warrior mentorship program. It's my coaching students and, you know, just really proud of what we, what we've, what, what it's become. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, if you've got some more questions yeah. about why multifamily go there, or I could yeah. talk a little bit about yeah. mindset. I think that would be, because I will well, tell you, you um, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, you just touched a little bit on the economy right now. So yeah. you think right now we're, we're going into a good time to still buy multifamily? Oh, yeah. I, we're, we're, we're raising money for an incredible asset in Nashville right now. Um, it's, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, uh, you know, there are deals right now. I mean, we, we were able to do this thing at 60% loan to value, 10-year fixed rate debt, and still have, you know, upwards of 10% cash on cash, like upwards of 19% IRR, 22% a, a, a annual adjusted return. And so, you know, the, those, the deals are there, but I, I, I believe there are going to be a lot more deals like that coming. And so, um, yep. um, you know, that's... See, Rob, uh, when we first started out, when you were talking about your, in your history, you, you were buying multifamily. Were those the smaller units? Were you buying those yourself or were you... Were you it was all myself up until... Um, uh, I crashed in 2008. I, I, my, my brother was involved uh, in some mm -hmm. of them, but, but it was he and I um, in, in all of it. Yeah. Did you find that uh, doing that by yourself, do you think that the single family helped you uh, with the education that you needed to be able to handle the multifamily? Or did you find well, that? I, I had multifamily as well. Now, keep in mind that, that that's the reason I started the podcast is my multifamily through that crash mm -hmm would have survived if it wasn't if it if I didn't have debt combined with packages of houses so it was the houses right. pulled it all down and and so uh and it was the cash flow I just couldn't sustain the cash flow you know I will tell you it's much harder to cash flow single family than people think much harder okay uh, uh, multifamily cash flow is much better than single family even honestly even free and clear single family doesn't cash flow that fantastic because there's so many little expenses that people People think that they cash flow well and they don't. Single family is great, in my opinion, for flipping and wholesaling. It's not the greatest long term hold play. I just, again, I've owned 2,000, so I've got a little credibility with this conversation. Um, you know, but, 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 but like you said, like I, I think the larger multifamilies really helped you with the, um, like you said, like you mentioned, uh, the different things, like with your multifamilies, everything's the same. That having the opportunity, the, um, the scalability, and have mm -hmm. those economies of scale, you have so many in one place just really helps so, so much. And then, of course, I'm sure you've seen with your multifamilies that, um, you know, the vacancy rate is something really important. Like, well, yeah. if you have one house, that's empty, it's empty. If you have 100 units, 10's empty. Well, you know, as long as you conservatively underwrote that, you're still cash flowing, right? And that's yeah, I, yeah. and like, like, you know, we're being very conservative right now. We stress test yeah. our deals. Like this Nashville asset, we could be, I think, 70 to 75% economically empty and still break Great. even. You know, that's and awesome. so and and so, you know, and that's super important right now. And um, just a quick sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but just no, so sorry. our listeners know what economically 75 percent economically vacant, what that actually means is while there could be 100 percent occupied. But if you're 75 percent economically vacant, that means 75 percent of the tenants are not paying. 
So well, no, no, no. It's flipped. Flipped. So I'm really right. glad that you elaborated on it, but it means 25 percent of the tenants are not paying. Oh, yes. Right. Sorry, sorry. So yeah. yeah. Said that backwards. Thank you, and I'm so so impressed that you stopped me on that because that that's really powerful to to educate. Uh, that uh, yeah, I try to do I that, and that's the only, that's <laughs> the only hate I get on. Time. That's the only hate I get on my podcast. I'll I'll stop somebody and interrupt them to do what you just did, and yep. and people are like on on. No, so I got no, four. I got four and a half stars instead of five on iTunes. No. Crazy. Well, you are still a five. Once you get on a roll, you know. I think it's one of those things like especially someone like you you have so much knowledge and so much information that you yeah. know you have so much to talk about and you know just like you do on your podcast you're the host your job's there to think about your listeners and what can be helpful and same yeah. thing you do your thing and we're here to help our listeners out so yeah yeah you're on a roll you're, you're still yeah. you're so, so, so just to be just to be clear so physically occupied is how many people are living there economically occupied yeah. is how many people are actually paying okay and then sometimes there's a big disparity there and that's a newbie <laughs> mistake honestly uh people don't pay attention to that uh yeah. if they you know they really need to study that but uh yeah anything else on the on the economic or multifamily front uh otherwise i'd love to to elaborate a little bit on mindset because i will tell you i really believe that after the midterms um the news is probably going to get really ugly okay and here's why i believe that um there's a pretty big political influence on the media and social media right now and i think if there's a if there's a political shift i think it's you're going to see a lot more negative news. It's kind of been buried um, up to this point. You don't see it quite as much. Like you guys may not know, there are 20 million families behind in the utility bills right now. Oh 20 God. million oh, wow. families. And that was like buried in in a new in the news. Um, you know, and, and I know that there's a really a lot of foreclosures coming in the single family space because I used to have a business that helped people in foreclosure that I sold. And I had lunch with the guy two weeks ago and he says, it's like a tsunami. They are coming. Oh so, so um, you know, we are headed for some economic pain. We, you know, with inflation and gas, it's insane. And this is another thing. I would be very careful right now with C minus assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't probably do a C asset unless I can convert it to B through my CapEx work, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and have it in a B area, okay? So what we look for is, you know, B and C assets in A and B areas. Uh, like this Nashville asset I was just mentioning is an A, a area. It's a B asset. We're going to turn it into an A asset. So, And that, that's um, another great yeah. benefit of multifamily, being mm-hmm. able to force the appreciation. Yeah. You can actually, uh, you can control the value of the property by what you do to it. If it starts I mean, as a C asset, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, no, I, I'd love to give some examples of what you just said. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Can you, you, you can't force it. Explain more about what the the B and the C really are for our listeners mm-hmm. that may, sure. don't, may not be familiar sure. with that. Yeah, so an A asset is the brand new stuff that you see on the side of the highway, sometimes in urban environments. A lot of them now are flat roofed, you know, um, uh, or urban for sure. And and so this brand, that's the brand new stuff. It's got the, the amenities, the tech packages, the granite countertops and, and things like that. Um, B is just a little older, you know, uh, maybe, maybe as much as uh, 20, even sometimes 30 years older. C is going to be 30 to 50 years old. D is 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 old, okay? And the problem with D is very often is it has what's called functional obsolescence, meaning, you know, the rooms are smaller, the ceiling is low, the windows are small, things that are very expensive to fix, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, you know, there, of course, there are A, B, and there's some subjectivity to this, of course, but there's A, B, C, and D areas as well. I mean, you, everybody knows where the D areas are, and and uh, but the A areas, obviously, they've got the, you know, the, the big national retail tenants, the, the Home Depots, mm-hmm. the Starbucks, and all that stuff. Those are the A and B areas with the big national retailers that really do their demographical research. Um, but, um, but back to your 
uh, did that answer your question, Candy? Or I could. Yes. You know, yeah. Okay. Thank right. you. Back to back to your um, comment about forcing appreciation. Yeah. Now, exactly. see, with houses and up to four units, duplex, fourplex, triplex, you can only the value is always based on comparable sales, so comps, right. and so you can't force appreciation like you can in multifamily. So in multifamily, the value is based on a multiple of the net income. It's called the net operating income or NOI, and so. How, how is that calculated? It's the grossing income, bleh, gross income on the property less the property-related expenses, not debt. That equals the net operating income, okay? And so um, any increase to the net operating income is about $17 to $20 to $1 in increase, okay? Let me give you an example. We have an asset in San Antonio. And we are, and we we striped and numbered the parking spaces. It's a 296 unit asset, and we asked the tenants, "Hey, if you'd like your own parking space by your door, um, it, we'll reserve it for you. It's 25 bucks a month." We had over a hundred accept it. Okay, so we had a hundred people paying an extra 25 bucks a month. That was an 800 thousand dollar increase in value. I'm putting some numbers on the parking lot. Okay, I have another example. <laughs> My, my manager there is a rock star, and she inspected all the units uh, for fire. She had to check the dates on the fire extinguisher. She went mm -hmm. through every single one, and she discovered about 60 pets that we did not know about, okay? And wow. so she, these people have to pay 20 bucks a month for their mm -hmm. pet, okay? And nobody's going to leave for 20 bucks a month. That was a six hundred thousand dollar increase in value. Oh, I'm sorry, it might have been five hundred. I might, I might, I might be exaggerating. Still, it was a big. It was a lot of money. It was, it was a big a money. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know, for for you know, just so so you know, there's just so many ways to do that um, in this business, and you look for opportunities to ramp value. This Nashville right. asset I was just telling you about. They're uh, they're primarily three bedroom units, but there were. 24 of them that are two bedrooms, but they're the same size as the three bedrooms. They have like a, like a study area where we can put a door and a wall up and they're three bedrooms. And that's a $300 increase in value just for doing that, turning them into three bedrooms. And so, you know, to, to give you an idea of what that, just that little blip is 300 times 24 times 12, and let's divide it by a four cap. That's a $2 million increase in value for putting some doors and some walls in. Okay. Yep. That's why we love this business, right, ladies? Yeah. yeah. Well, the myth is too that, particularly with real estate, I've found is that when people talk about increasing rents and, and, and thinking about multifamily and adding value, it's we're providing a better living space, more mm -hmm. services. It's not just the, the sake of raising rent oh, no. in order to get a bottom line. It's no. about increasing the quality of life of, of the people that and the community. And which is no question. Like that asset, like that asset in Nashville, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, we have already closed. I'm doing some post-close raising. We have about 3 million left to raise. No big deal. I, w I went to Europe for three weeks and hurricane hit and, oh. you know, the, the excuses are like armpits. Everybody has them and they stink. But that's, that's my story. But anyway, but, 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 uh, but, you know, we, we had our first meeting yesterday, literally yesterday. Um, and we've already got bids for a camera system, enhanced uh -huh. lighting. And, and, and to, to repair the gates there to in immediately increase the security, okay? Yeah. And which is what people want. Those are families with kids. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. There's no playground there. And these are th all three bedroom units with kids and there's no place yeah. for them to play. Yeah. And so we're actually gonna put at least one, maybe two playgrounds in. Um, so yeah, what you I'm just, I'm elaborating on what you just said, Candy. So we're gonna make that a really nice 
place. We're going to put in a dog run. We're putting in a package locker for, cause you know, when we were there, the leasing office was dealing with a lot of packages. It's just a pain in the butt for them to take them and yeah. then call the tenant and all that stuff. So we're putting in a package locker. So we're really enhancing the quality there. Um, so I just wanted to elaborate on what you just said, Candy, in that, in that vein. Yeah. So and, and, it's not it's not the greedy landlord. It's a you know you you go in there you yeah. spend money you make it you make it nice. You also decrease expenses. See, it's any increase yeah. to the bottom line. So if you can decrease the expenses, mm-hmm. um, you know that also does the same thing. So yeah. high right. efficient toilets, high efficient ba- right. um, bulbs, all of that stuff right. makes the big difference. And you know I think what you're saying, you know, adding the parks and all of that, as you know being the one looking at the deals, that's half the fun is like looking at something and like, okay, how can I creatively make this property bigger and better? Like, what can you do to add value to add uh, to the person's experience living there to add all of that? So that's, that's definitely, it's a fun part, I think. Right. One of the other things that's really amazing is, is the, not only is it just in the community itself of the multifamily uh, property that you might be increasing uh, the value, but it also increases the value of the neighborhood and you also get um, community programs can come in. There's so many other ways to bring about um, abundance and wealth, just not financially. And then having the investors be a part of that just by being a part of the investment is. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, like, thing. like we're, we're going to that asset next week and we have several investors joining us uh, just to kind of be involved in that changeover process. And, and I'm sure you guys do this as well, but we, you know, I spend a lot of time educating our investors. By the way, do you mind if I mention my boot camps? Is that all right, guys? Yeah. Can yeah, I just bring absolutely. that up? I mean, I know you guys have been to many. Yeah. So, so you know, I do boot camps regularly. I'm, I'm going to miss the one that's coming up this weekend because I know you guys are a little behind on, on like I am with posting events, uh, posting uh, episodes. But um, if, if um, you know, I do two to three day boot camps, they're virtual and live. The next one, like we will be virtual. Um, and and I don't sell anything at this events. Um, I uh, it's just full on, you know, study about this business. And so, what I would say to you, even for those of you that want to invest passively, you know, why would you invest in something with your hard earned money without some at least basic understanding of what you're doing? And so, you know, I would encourage you to come to my boot camp. If you go to, um, if you just text Rod to seven two three four five, that'll take you there, or you can go to multifamilybootcamp.com. Um, another thing I'll mention is I've got a lot of free resources to, to learn more about this business at rodslinks.com, R-O-D-S-L-I-N-K-S, rodslinks.com. Typically, my boot camp site will be there, the podcast, but a lot of free books are there as well. Um, additionally, you know, if you come to my boot camp, I spend a lot of time on mindset because that really is 80 yeah. to 90% of this, why my students are so yeah. successful. I was mentioned to you guys before we started recording that the Warriors now own upwards of 100,000 units, which is just <clears throat> extraordinary to me. And yeah. and uh, and I've only been teaching less than five years, so I'm really, really proud of that. But, um, you know, the first thing we do there is a goal-setting workshop, okay? Because how the heck do you get anything if you don't know what it is, okay? So, and, and, in, and what's coming? I think there's going to be fear, okay? There's going to be fear because there's already fear with gas and, and inflation and threat of a war and all this crazy crap that's happening right now. You know, it's so important to stay focused on what you want. Don't get caught up in the news. You know, if you're if you're listening or watching this, you, you know, 
Uh, you're a leader. You wouldn't be here if you weren't a leader. And right now, more than ever, the world needs leaders. And so as a leader, it's very, very important that you pay attention to what you focus on. Okay. Like I said, keep, you know, minimize the crap on the news because it's whatever you focus on gets larger and it just, it's just stressful. And, um, and in, in what's coming, you know, with, with this pullback, um, there, like I said, there will be fear. And so it's just super important that, that you stay focused on what you want. That's why the goal setting is so powerful. Now, the reason I brought that up is in rodslinks.com, even if you don't want to come to my boot camp, at the bottom is my goal setting workshop that I did on New Year's Day. I always do it and just give it away. Um, and it's professionally done with a guide you can download. You know, here's the thing, ladies, and you know this, people spend more time planning a freaking birthday party than they do designing their lives. And this is yeah. designing your life. Yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to this, go to Rod's links, go to the bottom, do that goal setting workshop with your spouse, you know, your, your kids, if they're over 10 years old, mm -hmm. you know, it's super, My husband super and I do it often. We, yeah. every once it's in a while, powerful. we'll go back, go through it and, you know, yeah. just reset, reset our goals. It, it's, yeah. it is really powerful. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that, but, uh, but anyway, you know, um, if you'd like me to elaborate a little bit on some mindset related items, I could very briefly, if you want me to, I mean, Absolutely. it starts, That's it starts with the goals. But, big uh, part, yeah. a big part of our podcast is mindset okay. because you can so. you can educate yourself um, intellectually, but until you've got the mindset to implement, it's not going to go anywhere. Well, that's it. You know, people get hung up because of fear or limiting beliefs, or you know, or or they're comfortable. You know, and comfort's a nice warm place and nothing grows there. Right. So, right. Um, you know, limiting beliefs. I'll talk about that for a moment. You know, when I was when I immigrated, I didn't speak English and I got thrown into school and I discovered bullies for the first time and got my butt kicked on occasion. And then my mom thought it'd be a great idea to send me to school in wooden shoes and those leather shorts the Germans wear for Oktoberfest. So I got my butt kicked again. <laughs> And then, then to add insult to injury, the, the bullies would chase me home sometimes. Some lived down at the end of my street, and she'd chase them off with a fly swatter. So the next day, butt kicking. And so, you know, I came up with this belief system that I wasn't good enough. And I used to ask myself, and in fact, I, I, I cried for about a half an hour when I discovered this, doing some, in, you know, some, some work on myself. But I used to ask myself, how can I show them I'm good enough? And, uh, and so, you know, a lot of people have these limiting belief systems. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I'm too old. I'm too young. And there's a reason that the acronym for belief systems is BS because 99.9% of them are BS. But you got to have, you've got to get clear on what you want and create what Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich, calls a burning desire. You've got to want it. That's how you push through any of these limiting beliefs and get uncomfortable or push yourself out of analysis paralysis. And, you know, and so, so, you know, it starts with those goals. So I hope you'll take me up on the goal setting, even if you don't come to the boot camp. Again, if you're here, you're interested in multifamily, honestly. Oh, by the way, you can come for $97 and I don't sell anything there. It's kind of a duh, seriously. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, for 97 bucks with nothing being sold for two full days yeah. of training, you know, and honestly, if you come and you don't absolutely love the event, I'll give you your money back. It's never happened, but there's a first time yeah. for everything, you know. Yeah. But see, once you've created that burning desire, there's a few more steps here. And, and you guys interrupt me anytime you like, but but you've got to make a decision. And um, and sometimes that can be the biggest decision of your life. Maybe it's to push forward and, and passively invest in a deal. Um, you know, maybe it's to, to, you know, learn the business a little more, maybe mm -hmm. do it actively even. But but but, you know. 
I'm not saying dip your toe in the water. I'm not saying one foot in, one foot out. I mean, I'm saying you make a decision, it is freaking done, okay? If you're like an example of a real decision, if you're gonna attack the island, you burn your ships down because you're not getting home unless you take their ships, okay? That's a, that's a decision, okay? And then once you do that, you've got 100% commitment. And when you're committed, you're like a train on a track. Now, if you're just interested, you're gonna get knocked off track. And, and when you're committed, it's no longer a dream. It becomes an outcome, okay? So commitment is super, super important uh, and that decision. But then you've got to take that first step. And um, sometimes that can be the biggest step of your life. And, you know, I remember um, when, I, uh, when I really 10X'd my income, what I did with that third year was I started knocking on doors of people who are in foreclosure, okay? And I will tell you, those first... 20 doors were very, very stressful for me, but I did it and I pushed through. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King said, you see that first step, you take that first step in faith and the next step will be revealed. And, and, and sometimes that, like I say, can be the biggest step of your life. And for those of you that are listening or watching that are analytical, I would, um, I would give you this metaphor. And that is you can drive all the way across the United States at night with your headlights only seeing 50 feet in front of you. And you know you'll make it because you know other people have done it before. You may have some obstacles, but you know you're going to make it. And it's the same way with any of your goals. Okay, so but you've got to push through. You know, Lao Tzu said the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but you got to take that step. You know, the the thing you don't want is any regrets. And yeah. um, you know, you uh, a lot of people fear failure. Win. I call my failure seminars, okay? Because they're only a failure if you don't get back up or you go and get the lesson. And a lot of people don't know, I have actually built 27 businesses in my career. I was blown away oh, when wow. I did the count. Several worth tens of millions of dollars. Most spectacular flaming seminars, okay? We <laughs> fail our way to success. I'm gonna tell you, fear regret, don't fear failure. You know, I got to meet the billionaire owner of Spanx. I don't know, maybe if you guys have ever encountered this wonderful woman, her name's Sarah Blakely. Um, and she, she started with $5,000 and she's, she was in the Forbes billionaire list a few months ago, beautiful human yeah. being anyway. But, um, mm -hmm. she told me at a mastermind that we went to that her dad used to ask her and her brother once a week, what have you failed at this week? And he'd want an answer. And, and, and what did you learn from that failure? And I thought, what an incredible question to ask your kids. So they don't oh. fear failure. Um, but, uh, but um, the next thing I'll mention, and interrupt me anytime, please, is focus. Well, you know, Ron, I wanted to touch in on that. On okay. Well, first of all, the, the woman that uh, with the Spanx, I know mm -hmm. that, you know, Ta Tony Robbins is a, a uh, is your mentor and uh -huh. um, a part of his inner circle. And t she actually came on and was talking about how she actually went into the stores and put her displays, moved them around in the stores when she was not supposed to, to help get and promoted her product uh, for just like- One-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, one-on-one. -on -one. No, I, I remember hearing that. Yeah, I heard her say that as well. And I will tell you, you know, I, Tony, I've been to, to uh, so many of his events. I've seen people like um, Steve Wynn and um, John Paul DeJoria. And John Paul sold his hair products out of back of his car. And now yeah. he's a billionaire three or four times over. Um, mm -hmm. And I forgot Steve Wynn's example. I got to meet Tony Shea while he was still alive, the, billion, the owner of, of uh, oh, that shoe company, Zappos. Zappos. Oh, yeah. And, and so many of these people did that literally door to door, knocking on, you know, and, and, and just that one on one to achieve incredible success. Like I did, you know, knocking on, on foreclosure doors. And so, so, um, uh, yeah. It's diving into, and you've talked about this before and, and, and I've heard it in, in other 
mentorships as well is like really diving in like Dean Graciosi does this wonderful um, getting to the core of your why not asking why do I want to do this because the first few answers I think it's like seven questions you go yeah, down dig deeper. deep why and do I want that then one more time the why do I want one, that you're in tears you're in tears by the seventh one and I didn't even think it would happen but I was like whoa now I get you know yeah. like, what is the always- driving force it's almost always love, honestly. If you, it I, is. I, I it hate is. to be a spoiler alert there, but, but <laughs> you dig deep like that. It's almost always love, um, and and uh, but yeah, Tony does a lot of that as well. In fact, Dean gets that from Tony. They they do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. together. Um, but uh, yeah, I spent twenty years following Tony Robbins around the planet. Um, lots and lots of stories. I use some of his. I try to give him credit whenever I use some of his taglines and stuff. You know, live with passion and. You know, yeah. so he's got some incredible quotes, but, uh, so the next thing is focus. And, and I told you, I, I mentioned this to you already, and that is, you know, where your focus goes, energy flows. And that's, a, that's one of tone. That's a Tonyism right there. Yeah. And, and some of the most successful people on the planet have the most incredible focus. And, um, you know, I remember when I had uh, in Denver, I had, uh, you know, a couple of frozen yogurt shops. I had vending carts selling ice cream bars downtown. I had a carpet cleaning business and, and I had some real estate and everything suffered because my focus was diluted yep. and I got rid of everything except the real estate. And I bought 500 houses in that next run, you know, and you'll notice whenever you see me publicly, I also try to minimize my decisions because decisions, you only have so many decisions a day. Otherwise you're totally fatigued. You'll always see me in these bone ugly black t-shirts, you know, even <laughs> at my boot camps. Um, and I've got, I've literally got about 60 of them. And, and cause I don't want to have to think about what I need to wear for something like this. The, and yeah. the only time I don't wear them is when Tiffy says, no, you're not wearing one of those damn black t-shirts. Um, but, but she lays out your clothes nicely. Cause she's always yeah. so perfectly dressed. What a Oh, I know she's, she's a fashion statement. Um, but, uh, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll mention this, you know, I get excited about my 14 million downloads and I, I watch or listen to two podcasts. One is Tim Ferriss and the other one is Joe Rogan. I try to get both sides of the aisle a little bit there. And, and Tim Ferriss, um, interviews the best of the best in the world. Okay. Interviews the best athletes, you know, NFL, NBA players, uh, Michael Phelps, the swimmer, uh, um, actors, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ed Norton, Hugh Jackman, Jamie Foxx, uh, billionaires like Ray Dalio, CEOs, of the biggest companies in the world. He had Zuckerberg on recently. And I started to hear a pattern and it ties into focus. Many of them meditate. What does meditation enhance, right? Focus. And so, um, focus is super important. And, you know, and we talked about creating that hunger, um, and 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 that's how you push. Like I said, that's how you push through those limiting beliefs. Like I had the fear, the comfort, all of those things come from, um, you know, having that burning desire and 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 recognizing that if you're willing to grind for a few years, like most people won't, you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. And so, you know, um, the 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 other thing I'll mention um, now. This is more of a active investor. Yeah. I don't have to get into that. Uh, you know, I, I was just going to talk about playing to your, playing to your strengths. Okay. Yeah. And that is, you know, if you're in, in the multifamily business, the beautiful thing about the multifamily business is there are lots of hats you can wear. If you're going to be an actively active operator and do the business and, um, mm-hmm. like these ladies are all doing. And, and so, um, you know, you can be the person that, that, that locates deals. You can be building in relationships with brokers. You can do investor relations to raise money. 
um, you know, which is the passive investing piece of raising money from passive investors. You can, you know, do the underwriting if you're super analytical, uh, you know, love spreadsheets. You can be the process driven person that helps with the asset management, maybe has some construction background or some property management background or management background in general, do property management. But here's the key. And this, honestly, this applies to anything. You should play to your strengths, period, in any walk of life and whatever you do, because your strengths are your greatest assets. OK, and, you know, don't focus on maximizing weaknesses. Su success becomes much faster in any walk of life if you focus on and maximize your strengths. And when you love what you do, like I do, I never work another day in my life. I mean, I freaking love this. You know, I work yeah. on Sundays, which is why Tiffy puts up with it, you know, and and so, you know, um, and, and when you love what you do, you will also be passionate about it. And in, in any business, you know, particularly, you know, if you're going to start your own business or run a business or do multifamily, you're going to have to influence people. And the way to influence them mm -hmm. is to be passionate. People want to be around people that are passionate. And that passion basically equals your ability to influence. And, and it's really the fuel as well. You know, when you're passionate, you know, you're going to, you're doing what juices you and inspires you and, and, and. Honestly, you're, you're in the, what do they call it? The zone or uh, yep. Jerry Maguire, yep. the Quan, yep. you know, you're, you're loving what you do and passion <laughs> minimizes or even eliminates fear. Um, and so I've just got a couple more pieces. If you'd like me to continue one, one is the next one is peer group. Okay. And like you guys are in the incredible warrior program and I'm sure you can acknowledge it's extraordinary. And, and you know, who you hang out with is who you become. And, mm -hmm. and I will tell you, when I was losing everything in 2008 and 9, I was in Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership, which is this high level mastermind. It was like 120 grand at the time. And, and I was around people that were thriving in that crash. And they're like, get mm -hmm. up, you puss, 50 million, schmillion, go make it happen. Now, that's who you want to be around when the, when the soup's hitting the fan, right? And so, so um, you know, here's the sad thing. Most people hang out with people that they went to school with or they work with. And sometimes those people, out of their own fears or their own limiting beliefs or their own you know, fear of failure or feeling less than or feeling left behind or whatever, will hold you back. And sometimes they're family, okay? And so I'll tell you, you know, Carefully choose who you allow to influence you. Love your family, but choose your peers proactively. And, and you know, because a rising tide lifts all ships. You know, me, I want to be around people that think what I think is hard is easy, which is why I formed my multifamily boardroom mastermind. You know, I, I started that mastermind here at my house with 16 people, about a billion in assets. And now there's 16 billion in there. And in fact, we're meeting here in a few weeks. And I want to be around people that want more out of life, that aren't going to be fearful. So, you know, if you're listening to this, Get a, get into groups of people that want to do what it is that you want to do, that 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 people that will hold you accountable and push you. And and and, you know, like an, a great analogy for this is if you're going to play tennis, do you want to play somebody better than you or worse than you? Right. You know the answer. Um, better. So the last couple of things I'll talk about. The first one is is gratitude and um, gratitude is probably the most important emotion that we have available to us in our lives. You know, it's impossible to be fearful and grateful at the same time or, or, or you know, the achiever's word uh, for fear is stress. It's impossible to be stressed and grateful at the same time. It can't be angry and grateful at the, sa the same time. You know, gratitude makes us stronger when we face adversity You know, strengthens our immune system, makes our heart stronger, lowers our blood pressure, you know, brings us closer to our spirituality. 
And so typically most mornings I will sit in that recliner right there behind me and you can kind of see the corner of the, 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 uh, my vision boards there. And I will just do gratitude for just a couple minutes. I'll be grateful for my gorgeous wife, more beautiful on the inside than the outside. My kids, my warriors, my coaching students, my, my foundation, I'll just do gratitude. And then I'll do gratitude for the things that I want as if I already have them. I know I lost a few of the, sometimes I'll even be grateful I'll be so grateful over things I don't even have yet. I'll get emotional. And like I said, I'm sure some of you analytical ones are going, oh, for God's sakes, talk about real estate, please. Well, this is how I had 50 million to lose, okay? So take it or leave it, but it works, okay? And and so, but it starts with gratitude. In fact, I'll show you something. In the back of my planner, and I show this at my boot camp, but in the back of this thing, I've got pictures of things that I wanted, but the first pictures are my gratitude pictures. My kids are 30 and 26, and these are my pictures. They've been in, this picture have been here 22 years. You know, they're all nasty and dirty. I need to clean them, but your kids, you know, pictures of my kids when they were younger. And so, because this is how you manifest this stuff through gratitude. And then I've got this, you know, the stupid stuff that I wanted behind it, you know, like the watches and the cars and the houses and the stupid crap. But, but the point is that's, you know, it starts with gratitude. And then the last thing I'd like to share with you guys um, is, um, you know, barring any future questions is I'll give you, I want to give you a story. So, um, you know, when I lived in Denver, I always knew I wanted to live on the beach. Okay. I love the beach and, and, and the, you know, and I'd visualize the surf and the sand and the palm trees and, and 20 years later, I built this incredible $8 million mansion on the beach here in Sarasota. I owned the beach on one side. I had my boat lifts on the back side. And this house is spectacular. Big spiral staircase up through the middle of, you know, a wine cellar, elevator. Um, you know, the, the, there was a waterfall from the second floor balcony into the pool that was like 12 feet wide. You had to walk through it to get into the pool. Pools and magazines. You know, on the second floor, I had aquariums custom built around the spiral staircase that cost me almost $200,000. That gives you an idea of the house. Well, (laughs) two months, I worked for this thing for 20 years. Okay. I worked Mm -hmm. for that. That's how long it took me to make that happen. Two months after I moved in, I'm floating in the pool at night. Pool's changing colors. It's got fiber optic lighting. And I'm looking up at this testament to my ego, which is really what it was. It was to prove the world I was good enough. And, um, and I got depressed. And again, I'd worked for this for 20 years and it was two months after I moved in, my family's inside sleeping and I was depressed looking up at this thing. And I'm like, what the hell? I've just achieved, I mean, I had the Maserati in the garage, two Mercedes, I had the boats, the jet skis, the beautiful family. How could I possibly be depressed? Well, this is the message I want to share. There were several things going on. Number one is it's never about the goals. You know, they say the happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day they buy the boat and the day they sell the boat, but you need the goals to create <laughs> burning true. desire, right? You got to have them. Yeah. But it's never about the goals. It's it, Happiness comes from progress and growth. But see, if you're going to achieve a big goal, you better have other goals lined up behind it. Like the good book says, without a vision, the people perish. I didn't have a vision for the future. And so that was a critical piece. But again, it's never about the goals. It's about, it's about um, you know, progress and growth. But the big thing that was happening was I was totally focused on me. Rod, 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 show the world I'm good enough, show the world I matter. And that's the year I first went and saw Tony. This is 22 years ago. And I saw that he fed families for the holidays. And I'm like, what a concept, do something for someone else. I'm embarrassed to say I had to be 40 to get that memo. And I called my, I went home from his boot camp and I called my brother in Denver who I was visiting for Thanksgiving. I said, hey, bro, let's, let's feed five families. And so he went to his church, found five families that really needed help. We bought turkeys and, you know, um, uh, big boxes of food, toys for their kids if they had them. And the third family changed my life. We go up to this door and this woman came out. She saw the stuff on the porch. She started crying. 
She had five kids in this little one bedroom shithole. I'm sorry, crappy place. And, and she was in there with her five kids. Kids came out Two the two older ones started crying. I started crying and I was hooked. And I'm blessed to say in the last 22 years, we've fed well over 130,000 children for Christmas and Thanksgiving here in Sarasota, Bradenton. We've done tens of thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies to local children that don't have the basic supplies. for. We just did 1,500 backpacks literally this just a month and a half ago. Uh, we've done tens of thousands of teddy bears to local police departments, officers to keep in their patrol vehicles to encounter a child that's been trauma, you know, a traumatic event. Now, I don't bring this up to brag because there's a big message in this. You know, a lot of people may say, yeah, I'll, yeah, you had money so you can do that. Well, I'm going to tell you that that you should do it immediately. Um, Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. Achievement really is a science. If you want to learn multifamily, come to one of my boot camps. I'll give you the blueprint. You just have to go do it. But fulfillment is an art. You've got to figure out what juices you. For me, it's kids. Maybe for you, it's animals or the environment, or the elderly, and give back right now. Because again, we, we've been taught to believe that we have to achieve, achieve, achieve to be happy. Like we shouldn't be happy until we've achieved. But if you're giving back, and this is a play on words, but it's a big one, you're happily achieving. Okay. Mm. And so, you know, okay. you, you don't yeah. say, yeah, I'll do it when I have money. Do it right now because the money will come faster. Now you don't do yeah. it for that reason, but that's just the way God, the universe, mm -hmm. whatever you believe works. It comes back to you a thousandfold. So I just wanted to leave you with that um, uh, to, to give back and, 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 and then you're happily achieving and you're fulfilled while you're building, you know, your empire, either passively, actively, whatever. And if you don't, if you don't give back now, you keep waiting. I'll get there. I'll get there. It's almost like saying like tomorrow never comes. You'll yeah. never be able to get to that place where you want to be. And there's like a, there's a teaching um, technique that I've learned about over the years. It's called the rocking chair, rocking chair technique. Whereas mm. if you are sitting, you know, reflecting back on your life, you know, what have you achieved? Not, not in the sense of the material things, but what have you done? How have you impacted? The, your, that's your, why I got these things on my wall, guys. This is yeah. the, that's the whole that's, thing that's right there. That's why thing. I have those cards on my wall. And you know, it's not ego, but when I tell you, I get love sometimes upwards of 15 times a day, typically never a day goes by without getting a DM and email, you know, a, a, some gratitude, a card, a gift, whatever. And it's the greatest gift in the world. And, and, you know, when your podcast is really off the rails, kicking butt, you're going to get the same stuff. You're going to get a lot of great feedback and a lot of love from people who's, you know, whose lives you've impacted through doing this for them. So, you know, I salute you guys for doing this. Well, thank you. I mean, this is some, an amazing thing. And I think, you know, coming into multifamily is one way that people can not only can they uh, learn how to invest and take care of themselves and own their future. They also it creates a, a sense of peace of mind that mm -hmm. they are in control of their future, sure. particularly in the times that we're having right now. You bet. But, um, you bet. And with all of that being said, Rod, we have um, we have a fun little game we do with mindset. Uh -oh. um, so, okay. <laughs> Colleen, do you want to you want to set us up for the game? With yeah. Um so uh, at the end of each of our podcast, we like we have a couple of um, quotes, quotes of the day on mindset. Tamara nice. has them. And we'd like you to pick one. She's got three of them, if you could pick a number. And then we'd just kind of like to discuss it with you. Okay. Uh, number one. Number one. Okay. So the quote uh, of and number one is, strength is a matter of a made-up mind by John Beecher. Yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing more powerful than, than, than mental strength. 
And I will tell you, you've heard the adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, you know, when I lost $50 million, it would have been very easy to curl up in a ball and, mm -hmm. and stay underneath a rock. I was under a rock for a month or two, a little eyeball poking. <laughs> out, you know, but, but, but so you know, uh, that made me so much stronger. I mean, what can hurt me now? Please. I lost right. 50 million bucks. Okay. What can hurt me now? You know, going through a divorce, that was horrific. Worst moment of my life was telling our kids we were getting a divorce. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, if I can survive that, I can survive anything. And thank God I met, I met the, the most inc incredible creature. You know her. You guys have met her. She's so beautiful on the inside. Yeah. And I'm blessed to say she's supermodel beautiful on the outside. And so, you know, I'm just Rod's a lucky boy. And, and so, you know, none, none of this stuff, you know, you, and, and so strength. And, and I will tell you, let me tell you the one thing that builds strength, and that is massive freaking action. You just go yeah. do it. And are you going to get your nose bloodied? Yeah, sure you are. Mm -hmm. You're going to get knocked back. But, you know, when you've got that burning desire and you want whatever it is that you want for yourself, you'll push through and you just get stronger and stronger as you go. And so, um, you know, and I and I see it with warriors all the time. You know, it's that law of the first deal. That first one, it's the yeah. scariest. It's the most stressful yeah. and takes the longest. And, you know, they're they're like, oh, man, it's been six months. It's been eight months. Then they get one. Next thing I know, they have five. I'm like, what right. the heck just happened? Well, they built strength. They built that courage muscle, right? And and yeah. they and they they take massive action. And so, you know, uh, and 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 they realize is that all there was? And they just push forward. And that's a courage and strength thing. So, yeah, good quote. Yeah. I like that. that. That's a really good take on that. It's and it's funny. I think how every every quote you can think every person thinks something a little different. Because when I think of like the strength is a matter of a made up mind, that makes me think like, well, you have strength, but the only time you truly have power behind the things you want is when you've actually made up your mind to get it. But back to what you said about goal setting, I believe that a lot of people stumble, get confused, you know, they, they get all discombobulated when they want only the goal. You know, if it's passive income, passive income, they only focus on the passive income. They forget to break down the steps. And the power sometimes of making up your mind on what you want is making up your mind that you're going to take the small steps one step at a time because the giant leap can feel hard. But if it takes you five small steps to get to that giant leap, you know, you're a lot better off. So I think let me give you an example. Let me let me give you an example of a made up mind. This is a paperweight on my uh, let me see. Can you see it? What would you do if you knew you could not fail? What would you mm -hmm. attempt if you knew you could not fail? Uh, now That's a made up mind. OK, yeah. and I will yeah. tell you. Um, that is a very powerful attitude to take because honestly, there is no failure. There is, you know, uh, you, right. you're going to have setbacks. If you're not failing and having feedback and setbacks, right. respectfully, you're not trying. Okay. Let's be yeah. honest. You're not. And, and that's not a life. That's a mediocre existence. And so failure is a part of life, but that's why there's seminars and, and, and every <laughs> one of those builds your strength, massively right. builds your strength. So yeah, great quote. You know, one of the um, exercises that uh, you did, at one of the boot camps, and interesting enough, it was not too long ago, you got us to write uh, a letter to ourselves, and then you yes. mailed it to us with our goals. And I, you know, I learned a long time ago, one of the most powerful words that you can say to yourself are the words I am and whatever follows after that. Uh -huh. and that yeah, let me talk about that. Can I talk about that for a moment? Absolutely. I'll talk about that. In fact, let me show you on the wall here. You can see. I am the best in the world at what I do. I am success. I am a business genius. Those are not braggadocious things. Those are as aspirational things. And mm -hmm. I've got signs like that in my exercise room. Um, you know, I am courage. I am health and energy. I am determination. I am focus. 
Anything you put the words I am in front of is an identity statement. There's no greater force yeah. in the human psyche than the need to remain consistent with how we identify ourselves. And so, yes, if you come to my one of my boot camps, we will do an identity statement as well. Um, it's not just the letter. Actually, the letter is just you pro, you know, writing like a, a, a letter to yourself um, and, yeah. and deeming it awesome. really like from your creator. But the identity statement is very, very powerful. And I'll tell you mine. My identity statement is I, Rod Cleef, am a magnificent, amazing, passionate gift from God. I'm an incredible father, inspiring leader, loving billionaire, and amazing husband that puts smiles on the faces of children, inspires others to excellence, and rocks the world. I've said that thousands it. of times. And I, I feel I didn't like I almost with, remember it. I love yeah, it. I, I, love I, it. I, I've said that so many times and, and I didn't say it with the passion that I normally do. I didn't want to push you guys back in your chairs. Usually I'm yelling that out, you know, at the top of my lungs and I'm yelling out these, I am statements as well. You know, I used to run down the street and say, I am courage. I am determination. I am focused. You know, my kids, you know, uh, my daughter had a health scare and, and so she wasn't at the, the last event, but, but uh, you know, that's the question they help. They help at the events. They do AV at the events. That's the question they get most often. Does he really do that crap? Does he really run that? <laughs> yes. They're like, yeah, he did. Now, luckily I've got an enclosed exercise room. So nobody hears me, but me, but that stuff works guys. And I know some of you analytical ones are going, Oh, good God. Well, I'm telling you, if there's an area of your life you want to build on, do an I am statement, throw it on yeah. the wall and 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 encant it with every fiber it gets into the fiber of your being when you do when you yell it out so or even like thanks. affirmations like mm -hmm. my daughter she's literally she's only three and a half now for over a year and a half i've had a, a picture on the on her playroom wall and it's her affirmations and it says Love i it. am strong i am beautiful i am powerful i am Love enough it. i am loved and every single day if we don't do it before she goes to bed she will literally be like mom dad i didn't do my affirmations oh that's and, so uh, good oh, oh my god that's swing. so powerful and like that we'll is say, so freaking powerful it is Love it's it. amazing and it just yeah. it when you see, like she's at, she started gymnastics recently and she's sitting there and I see her like struggling with one thing. And then after she comes off and tells us, and she was like, mom, I can do anything. Did you see me do that? She's literally like repeating the affirmations uh, that we have her say. And it's like, one I, of those if you, moments, if you are listening like, and you have kids and you don't do mom, this shame mom. on you. Okay. Yeah. I wish I'd have known about this when my kids were more impressionable. Uh, yeah. because that is so, so powerful. freaking powerful. Yeah. yeah. Love it. And Kristen. to be a parent and to see your three-year-old have true belief in themselves. And you just, you know, that they are going to grow up knowing the world is whatever they want it to be. And then, I mean, family, kids, just, that's everything for me. That's my, we just talked about strength. Yeah. We just talked about strength. That's strength. Okay. Yeah. And that is internal strength. That's unshakable strength. I love it. And you don't have to be three to build it. You can start it today with yourself. Have it two sentences, three sentences before you get the courage to like scream those things. Like start with three things that you want to be tomorrow and have mm -hmm. that your sentences. Wake up and say it. And then slowly your list is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to be easier. And then you'll be on the treadmill screaming it like Rod. If you have, uh, you, even if like you're raising kids and you may have a child that may be, you know, because you're the parent and you ask them to do something so they're going to do the opposite. Yeah. But you can even <laughs> add the words if if they're if they're refusing to to want to do something different and they're describing themselves in a way that's demeaning to themselves. You can add the words right after it, saying "up until now." Mm. Yep. Because yeah. Because that, that stops it. Love it. That stops love it. it. Yep. You can yeah, do, love do it. that for yourself. Catch yourself when you're saying something, and then realize I just said, you know, this is I'm limiting myself on that statement up until now. 
You know, I'll tell you, Tiffy catches me sometimes. You know, did, did, uh, she's like, did you, what did you just say? I'm like, oh, thank you, babe. Throwing my own, my own stuff back at me. Yeah. So yeah, me and yeah, Teddy are always it. like, are you being negative right now? Are you? Right. No, no, I'm sorry. Right. I, I was not trying to be negative. <laughs> oh man. You know, this conversation. She's, she's in the kitchen. I know she, we're not going to come over here cause she's, she's all ragged, <laughs> but it's too bad. All right. Pull her in to say hi. <laughs> no, you know, I was just saying that, uh, unfortunately we're running out of time here. This has been just such a great conversation. I had to text Rod. somebody and tell them I was running late. I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything because uh-huh. this is such yeah. a treat for me, but, yeah, uh, you know, we, anyway, we, such a pleasure, such a yeah. pleasure, ladies. Um, really, yeah. pr- really proud of what you're doing here, and impressed yeah. with what you're doing, and and thrilled to be able to help a little. Yeah, the first thank time you. in the multifamily world that you're out that the men are outnumbered. <laughs> Love it. No, Love no, it. That, we see it. That was your your boot camp in in Orlando. Seriously, it was the first time in our life all of us women were like got to walk in and out of the bathroom, <laughs> and the men were waiting in a line. It was nice Love to it. see this Rolls Royce. And you guys, you guys met there. I mean, you like you had a meal together yeah. or something, if I recall. Yeah. I was really, yeah, was really perfect. inspired by that. Yeah, I loved yeah. that. Love yeah. It. So. Thank you again so much. Not only do we want to thank you a million, Rob, we want to say thank you to you guys, our listeners, for joining us You know, at our round table. Hope you enjoyed this awesome conversation today. Can I, can I circle one thing? I'm sorry. Can yeah, I just throw out the, how to contact me again? Um, yes, you know, yes um, please. So the boot camp, text ROD to 72345. If you want a ton of free resources, go to rodslinks.com. If you go to rodslinks, my, my podcast is there as well. And um, just a lot of... Um, uh, awesome free resources setting. and uh um yeah so i just wanted to circle back on that for a quick second but thanks yeah, guys we'll i appreciate you having me on what's we'll that yeah. we'll have this in some show notes for yep. you yep. Well. yes yes awesome yes so again tune in guys to our next episode we're always trying to get more experts in the field to you know teach you guys the things that you need to know to invest passively and get yourself in the right mindset to get more be better you know really really truly draw in abundance to your life so you know, if you want more, you can always check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, anytime at our website, therealestatewoman.com. So thank you guys so much, Rod. You know, this conversation was great. Yeah. We just have to have you on again so we can just keep chatting. But uh, thanks it. a bunch, guys. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.